Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, Aubrey, our co-host. Aubrey. Hey, it's so good to be back here. Aubrey, we have a conversation today with Justin White. And uh, Justin, we got in contact with him through a friend of mine who referred him, said, you've got to listen to this guy's story. I pulled up a YouTube video and watched him preach at a church about a story. And it was so fascinating. So I've got to, got to have him so as a guest on the podcast. It was a story of addiction and um, heroin addiction and something you would never have guessed. If you met Justin, if you saw him in person, you'd be like, man, there's no way this guy was addicted to heroin. Um, wow. But you're going to hear in just a second how you know, he got into it and then how the Lord rescued him out of it and some kind of some peaks and valleys, even in the midst of all of that, after he felt like it, he was rescued from it. And you're going to find some twists in his story that are really, really crazy. We're going to jump into it pretty quickly because we've gotten some um, feedback from everybody from the survey that we did a, a while ago. We gave away $10 gift cards to Amazon and asked you to fill out a survey. And so we're going to be, um, you're going to maybe see some subtle changes as we kind of move along and we start to work through some things. Aubrey and I want to talk about Justin's uh, interview after his interview. We want to dive a little bit deeper into the, the subject matter that we, that we talk about. In fact, there is a moment in this conversation that we have with Justin where you're going to, you're going to hear it. You're going to pick up on it as you listen to it. Um, where he has kind of a revelation mm-hmm. where he has this like epiphany moment, something like that discovery he had, right in the minute, right in the moment. Right? Yeah. He had never, he had not even processed or thought through this. And it was like the Holy spirit showed up and, and was like, yeah. this is it right here. We're going to, you're going to hear this. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about what that is. Uh, Cause we don't get a chance to dive deep in it in actual conversation. The other thing that we're going to do is share your podcast survey results with you oh, yeah. because you were so generous to uh, take your time to fill out those surveys because so we actually want to tell you what you told us because it's actually really incredible, helpful information for us. Yeah. We're excited to so share that around. with you. We want to ask you to do something for us today. We would love for you to rate and review Nothing Is Wasted podcast on Apple Podcasts that um isn't just about encouraging us, although that's a part of it, but it helps get this podcast into more listeners' ears. And so you can go on Apple Podcasts and rate and review today. I actually want to read a review that we recently received. Um, It says this, inspiring and uplifting. Mm. I can say that for me, the Nothing Is Wasted podcast is like the continuation of the book of Acts. Hmm. Whoa. That is uh, quite a word right there. It is a place where we can actually see what God is doing today with people's lives, trauma, and pain. It can be heartbreaking and at the same time, inspiring and uplifting, just like life. Highly recommend it. Wow. Man, that's incredible. You know, I don't usually hear these reviews until you read them on the air. So it's really cool to kind of get a fresh revelation right there and just kind of hear that and just digest it in in that moment, which again is what we're going to talk about when we uh, come back from the conversation, this fresh revelation that Justin has. And so let's go ahead and dive into this conversation I have with Justin White. Justin, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Davey. Good to be here. Well, it's always a pleasure to have somebody local here in the studio slash office slash home (laughs) slash... It's cozy in here. I love it. Uh, Warm. It's just all the books. I haven't read all of them. I'm kind of jealous. (laughs) I want to be a better reader. I I just don't have time. Oh, bro. Three kids, I have lost all my time to read. Mm -hmm. I like literally, you know, a chapter in the Bible in the morning. That's about it before (laughs) demands and needs. Dr. Seuss? (laughs) That that is true. Lots of good kids books, but outside of that. Man, I just, I'm honored to have you here. We got connected to your story and, and got a chance to listen to you speak at a church and and I was just um I was I was really blown away by it the yeah. testimony of what God's doing in your life and what he has done in your life and it's a crazy up and down journey and so I would uh, I, I don't want to waste any time I want to jump right in because I know we got a lot that we can talk about in this so why don't we start from the beginning let's okay. just before I, I we'll kind of get up to present day speed but I feel like you're 
story in nature is one that's good. Let's just start at the beginning. And you kind of share where this story begins to unfold. Sure. And, and Dave, thanks for letting me be here today. I am, um, you know, it, it's that question. And, and maybe some of the listeners have, have asked this question before too, that there was a point in my life um, just a few years ago where I asked this question, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. How did I get here? Um, my, my story actually begins in ministry. I was a minister um, for uh, 15 years. I started here in Plainfield, local, mm-hmm. uh, Plainfield Christian Church on the west side, and um, grew up in a great home. My dad was actually a pastor. Uh, when I when I uh, went to Bible college and then uh, graduated, I started in ministry. Was with him at Plainfield Christian for ten years, and then after the first ten years, um, I, I think I was at a place where a lot of people uh, get that that they're looking for another challenge and and yeah. the next thing, the next step right. in God's plan. And I was called actually to be a preacher down in Columbus, Indiana, and I accepted that call. And uh, my wife and my three kids, we moved there. We loved it. They were a little apprehensive at first, like our families <laughs> often are, but we got to Columbus, and I don't know if you've ever been to Columbus. Yeah. It's, it's an amazing city. It's a cool little, cool little town. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah. it's sort of like a small city with big right. city amenities, mm-hmm. um, a lot of uh, a lot of diversity, so um, there's always something happening. Um, my, my church was actually First Christian Church, mm-hmm. and um, if you know anything about Columbus, it's known for its architecture. Right. I was, very historic, very, very historic. Yep, architecture, that, yeah. That building uh, where I where I served as the preacher was actually the birthplace of modern architecture. Oh, wow. It's really cool, uh, neat vibe to a city. Um, of course, church is not a building; it's the people, and yeah. and so many people at that church I loved and uh, still do. Wow, um, it was a great opportunity. Mm. Um, about three years in, and this would have been about 2014. Okay, about three years in, I was I was experiencing some headaches, mm. and. Um, so I went to my doctor and I explained to him my symptoms and what was going on, and um, he prescribed a few different medications for me to try, and one of them was hydrocodone or uh, Vicodin. And, and I'd been prescribed Vicodin uh, before for minor procedures, and I'll be honest, I always sort of liked the way it made me feel, yeah. right. but I was always able to stop taking them when I was supposed to. But this time in, in 2014 was different. When I, when I always tell people my story, I know this probably doesn't make sense if you're not an addict or if you've never had trouble with substance abuse, but when I, when I took those first two pills, I wanted the whole bottle. And basically, that's what I did. Over the next few days, I took all the pills in that bottle, um, and I felt great. Yeah. But then I got another headache, and I didn't have any more pills. And so I called my doctor, told him I ran out of the pills, and I needed some more. He wrote me a prescription for more, and that pattern yeah. continued for the next yeah. six months. Wow. Six months later, and after having used those pain pills every day, along with another daily prescription that he had me on for Xanax, mm-hmm. a benzodiazepine, um, I was hooked. And the problem was that my prescription wasn't cutting it anymore. At the same time, I'd gotten to know another young man in Columbus who had a drug problem. And in the midst of our conversation, I shared with him that, that I thought I had become hooked on my pain pills. And what happened next led me to a crossroads. He told me that he knew somebody else that had extra pain pills and that I could buy them from him if I wanted some more. Mm. And Danny, you, you know, in the journey of life, we, we've all got moments that we wish we could go back yeah. and redo. Right. I got a lot of them. I'm going to share some of them uh, today. Um, my guess is a lot of people can think of different moments in their lives, probably all of us, right. that we wish we could go back and redo. I wish I could go back and redo that moment. Mm. I wish at that moment I would have been honest with my wife, honest with my doctor, mm. honest with the other leaders at the church where I was, uh, honest with myself. And I wish I would have said, you know what, I need some help. I've become reliant on these things, and I need some help, but that's not what I did. Um, I had too much pride. I thought I was in control. 
Uh, and I, I was trying to keep things together, yeah. just trying to go on. Right. 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 Justin, a question yeah. for you right there before we kind of move further in the story. Mm-hmm. Now at this point, now at this stage in the game, are you able to like look back and see maybe what were some additional circumstances or pressures or things that helped to contribute to you making those decisions? Um, was it, was there stuff with the pressures with the pastoring with, was with family? I mean, was it just kind of the headaches that made you, that kind of drove you toward that? Or can you unpack that a little bit more? Sure. They, they tell you in recovery, there's always a why, right? Right. Right. And when you get into recovery, um, you start unpacking. Yeah. Why was it that the drugs made you feel good? Yeah. Why is it that alcohol for alcoholics make them feel good and feel released? And certainly, and that's been a journey. I'm. St- I'll be honest with you. I'm yeah. still learning I'm that. Sure. Right. I'm sure. But I can tell you one thing that that I've learned about myself is I, I have a bigger addiction than my addiction to opiates, which mm, we'll talk about in a second. Okay. My my biggest addiction was to people pleasing. Mm. I am a people pleaser to the core. Yeah. And I realized that for for the entirety of my life. I had been making decisions and living in such a way in order to receive recognition or praise or acceptance mm. from other people. And that set, that set you up for failure, yeah. right? right? Because down deep, even though I was a public figure and I was a decent preacher and um, I, I was fairly uh, good with people, yep. I, I do love people, um, People, people thought they knew me, and people thought I was such this great guy, but down deep, I knew mm-hmm. I, I was a sinner, mm-hmm. and I knew I made mistakes, and I knew that I wasn't a perfect person, and I had trouble, I had trouble dealing with that. Yeah. And so instead of dealing with that in a healthy way, or maybe going to some counseling, or feeling at peace with myself, when I took those pills, mm. and I felt that warmth, yeah. and that escape... And that release, man, that was, yep. that's what I needed. That's yeah. what I was seeking. It became kind of the Band-Aid. It became the Band-Aid. For that. Right. Okay, so you're at this crossroads moment yeah. now. And, and so, I mean, I wish I could tell you that I did the right thing yeah. when that young man told me about this other person I could buy some extra pain pills from, but I didn't. Instead, I started buying pain pills off the street and quickly worked my way up what's called the op- opioid ladder, mm-hmm. right? Hydrocodone, oxycodone, oxycontin. Morphine, opana. If it was an opiate uh, or an opioid, I had to have it. In fact, um, and other addicts will tell you this: even chasing the drug mm. sort of became it its own a, addiction, a drug, yeah. right? Uh, and it certainly became the the number one priority in my life. They they tell you in recovery, there's actually three P's mm. to addiction. There's preoccupation. You okay. become so preoccupied with with yeah. the, the chase for the next hit or the next high or the next drink, preoccupation, powerlessness, mm. and progressive. Mm. It, it only yeah. gets bigger um, in, in, until you get the help that you need. Wow. Um, and that's that was certainly the case in my life. I, I became so preoccupied, and, and here's the here's the crazy thing, Debbie. I had. <laughs> I had a great family, beautiful wife, three incredible kids, this church that I loved and who, and, and, and that loved me. Right. Uh, we had a beautiful home. Yeah. Uh, our, our finances were in pretty good shape, tons of friends and family, but all of that began to fade as I became completely preoccupied with Mm. that drug. Uh, my wife, Michelle would, would tell you that, um, she knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. She didn't quite know what. She thought I was having an affair. Mm-hmm. And Which, if you be honest, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I, I really was. It wasn't yeah. with another woman, right? but it was with a chemical. Yeah. And I was trying to keep everything hidden. That, that was the worst part of it. Of course, mm-hmm. that's one of the worst parts of addiction. We try to keep everything hidden. Everything is secret. I was trying to be a husband, a dad, a pastor, and just keep going because I, didn't, I really didn't think mm-hmm. I had a problem. Mm-hmm. I was in such denial. This went on for a year, um, and after a year of this, things had gotten so bad that I would do anything for more pills, which turned out to be a really bad thing because there came a point when my dealer didn't have any pills and didn't know when he would be getting any more. 
And I started freaking out, at which point he said, man, don't freak out. I got something else for you. Have you ever tried heroin? And of course I hadn't, but I did know that my pain pills were just a version of the same drug, right. opioid. Um, and because I was so desperate and because I thought I could handle it and because I thought I was in control, I started snorting heroin. And really a combination of anything I could get my hands on, whether it was my own prescription, the pills I was buying on the streets, or now the heroin. And remember also the, the Xanax that right. I right. Uh, used multiple times every day. And it was at this point my life went from bad to worse. Every relationship in my life became, be, began to deteriorate. I was faking it as a pastor. I was a terrible friend. My teeth, my body were in bad shape, didn't have any kind of fruitful relationship with the Lord. And my joy for life, which had always been high, I've always been a positive person, always enjoying the day, the moments, even the challenges of life. The, the joy and the zeal for life was gone. My life had become unmanageable. One of the most discouraging things about walking through trauma can be the overwhelming feeling of loneliness. And nothing is wasted. We don't want anyone to have to go at this alone. Beyond the inspiration that this podcast provides, we also wanted to provide community for like-minded people who are pursuing healing and are on similar pain journeys. Last year, we launched our Nothing Is Wasted Community Groups platform to meet this very need. These groups have been an incredible source of additional healing for many people, but we're taking it to the next level, and here's how. Each of our groups will be going through the Pain to Purpose course together. The Pain to Purpose course is an 11-week video series that you can walk through on your own, but we've found that walking through it with others creates an even more powerful healing experience and makes it more likely that you will finish the course. So if you've considered doing the Pain to Purpose course, but you didn't want to do it alone, or, or maybe you couldn't afford the full price, this is a great opportunity for you. Some of the groups that we have that will be walking through this course together are abortion, regret, and recovery, cancer, childhood trauma, child loss, divorce, widowers and widows, sexual betrayal, and more. If you're interested in being a part of our community groups in this way, we're doing something different. We're opening enrollment and we're closing it. That's right. Open enrollment for the Pain to Purpose course in community groups begins February 1st and closes down March 1st. So there's a limited time for you to get in on this. A community group is free to join and the price to go through the course with that group is just $57. This includes a physical copy of the participant guidebook that we ship to your home. Normally, the course plus a guidebook cost $177. So this is a fantastic opportunity for you to go through the course with other people especially if you didn't feel like you could fit the bill for the course by yourself. Only $57. To find a group that fits your unique valley and go through the Pain to Purpose course together, go to nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Make sure you join before March 1st because open enrollment is closing on March 1st. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community groups. Justin, do you, do you recall any times during this season where, you know, maybe uh, there was a divine kind of nudge, maybe from somebody else or, you know, where it was like, you can look back and you go, yeah, I think God was trying to rescue me, pull me out of this. Sure. You know, either someone going like, hey, are you, are you okay? Is everything all right? You don't seem yourself. I mean, what was... Yeah, the, there were a lot of people around me that started to ask me those same questions. Yeah. Like, are you okay? Yeah. Is something going on? They knew something was up. They just couldn't, they just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And again, because I was full of pride and I didn't want other people, because remember my, my biggest problem is people pleasing. Right. I didn't want people to think the worst of me, right. to know that I was buying these pills illegally, I was snorting lines of, of heroin. I mean, what would people think? What would the church think? What would my wife think if they knew that I had this kind of a problem? And so people did reach out. I, I do think, yeah, the Lord was trying to reach out. 
um, and, and, and to, to help me get the help I needed. But I was pretty stubborn, yeah. and I, I it took me a while uh, before I was really ready to accept the help I needed. Mm. And so the problem was, on July 26, 2015, I went to bed. It was a Sunday night, but before I went to bed, I, I used some heroin. What I didn't know that was my that was that my line of heroin was laced with another drug called fentanyl, mm. a drug 50 times more powerful than morphine. And I overdosed. Yeah. My wife was sleeping in our living room that night because she was having uh, some pain in her neck. Um, b- besides me, by the way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Other real physical pain. Wow. And she was out on the recliner. You I, were definitely a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> and then um, at 2.30 in the morning, our little eight-pound Yorkie knew something was wrong and went and actually peed at my wife's feet to wake her up. And she woke up and found me unresponsive wow. in the bedroom. She called 911. When the EMT showed up, they gave me a dose of Narcan. It's, yeah. that, you know, right. it's that drug that reverses the effects of an overdose. The problem was it didn't work. Oh, wow. And so they gave me a second dose, and thankfully it began to work, and I began breathing and, and coming back to life. I was uh, taken to the hospital there in Columbus, and four hours later... Um, I was sent home, and uh, really the next few hours and days were pretty confusing. They're kind of a blur in my mind at this point, and and really in the minds of my family as well. This was such new territory for us. We didn't grow up with any alcohol in the house. Uh, We didn't really talk much about drugs or any kind of addiction, really. I, I wish you could hear this perspective or the perspective from my family as well, because we were all learning at the same time and really didn't understand what was going on. What I did know though, was that something had to change. It was the first time um, I finally admitted, you know what, maybe I have a problem and I think I need some help. Yeah. And thankfully help came. Four days after overdosing, I was on my way to Minnesota to enter a 30 day rehab stint at Hazelden Betty Ford Clinic. My parents drove me up there, and the last thing I said to my dad before he left was, I can't imagine my life without drugs. Hmm. And, and here's the deal, David. Like, for me, that was an 18-month journey. Right. There are some people that I work with today, addicts and alcoholics. Years. And years, years, and years. Yeah. Decades. Yeah. And it is, it is so difficult when you're in that low moment. Maybe you've just... Um, overdosed or you've gotten into some legal trouble, you, you don't think when you're sitting in the county jail, you, you don't think you can get better. Mm. When, when everybody around you is, is saying, hey, we, we want to get you to detox, we want to get you to rehab, we want to get you to an AA meeting or whatever it is. Part of the problem, part of the struggle is we don't think we can get better. I didn't think the joy could return. I thought I had permanently messed up my life. And, and I want to I guess I just want to pause and say, you know, to anybody who may be listening right now that 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 really is struggling and is at that moment. Yeah. Um and, and you're looking at your life and whatever it is you're struggling with and you're thinking, "How did I get here?" Mm-hmm. And can it get better? Can I get better? And, and I guess I just want to say right now before before I go any further, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. You can get better. You can find joy again. You can overcome whatever challenge you're facing, not because you have what it takes, but because we know the one who does. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Right. And you know that as well, Davey. We serve this God who is the master at putting broken pieces and broken people back together. That's what he does. Um, the one who can reach below the surface and pull us up and put our feet on dry land. He, he can, he will, and he does. For me, I did not know how I could, how I could live without drugs. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful to, to share with you today that as of this past July, I'm five years clean from, wow. from opioids and benzos. Wow. And, and it keeps getting better. That, that's, that's the truth. Every day um, gets better. Um, but 
before it got a lot better. <laughs> I don't know if you're ready to go here. Sometimes it gets worse, doesn't <laughs> yes, it? Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm guessing that is parallel with your story. It is. Yeah. Uh, before it got a lot better, yeah. my story actually got worse. Um, I came I came home from rehab, started putting my life back together, rebuilding my relationships with my wife and kids. Uh, my church in Columbus, I have to give a shout out here, First Christian Church in Columbus was unbelievably gracious and allowed me to continue my ministry. Wow. They, they had just helped me get to rehab for a heroin overdose, wow. and they put me back in the pulpit. I, I just I can't believe it. I'm so wow. thankful you know, I was so thankful at the time, still thankful yeah. that they loved me and supported me um, in that way. Hmm. Uh, the problem was about a year and a half after I got home, I came home from church. It was a Sunday morning in December. I think it was the Sunday before Christmas. Um, and I realized that our home had been robbed. Hmm. And so we called the police and we called our insurance agents, uh, began the process of dealing with all of that. And a few days later, the police called and informed me that they had reclaimed our, our belongings but needed me to come to the station and identify it. So I went down to the police station, and sure enough, most of our stuff was there, and I thanked them, but I'll never forget what happened next. They took me to an interview room and began to read me my Miranda rights. Long story short, they found our belongings with that young man that I had purchased those pain pills from a couple years earlier. And his story was that I still owed him a drug debt from a couple years earlier and that I had recruited him to stage a burglary at my home Hmm. so I could claim insurance money and settle that drug debt. And I can tell you, Davey, that... (laughs) That I, I mean, I can tell you in all integrity that I did a lot of stupid things over those years or those months of addiction, but that was not one of them. That part was not true. But in my efforts to convince the cops of that, I did admit to purchasing the drugs from him, from that young man. And the, the long and short of it is the cops did the math and realized that when I bought the drugs from that, from that young man— he was underage. He was a minor, and that part is true. And this is the part of the story that I struggle with the most. Every time I share this part of my story with somebody, it's painful. Um, it's embarrassing. I'm ashamed to tell that part of uh, the story. And, I mean, I can justify it. I, I know I was under the influence and was making a lot of poor choices at that point in my life, But I also know at the end of the day, that's on me. And I misused my position of trust, and I negatively influenced that young man. And so in March of 2017, I was was arrested at my home and charged with two felonies, insurance fraud and contributing to the delinquency of a minor for buying those uh, pain pills from him. Um, I had already resigned my position from the church. We, we had begun the process of starting to move out of Columbus, uh, began work, working with a lawyer, trying to figure out what to do. Um, as the months passed, that, that insurance fraud charge uh, was dropped, but I did plead guilty to the contributing charge, which is a Class C felony in Indiana. Uh, I was all set for sentencing in October of 2017, the day before my sentencing hearing, I asked my lawyer what I was facing Um, because he had continued to tell me, you know, because of your clean record, you're a family man, you have your education, you're probably looking at probation. Yeah. Uh, The incident had happened years ago. I had gone to rehab to get clean. I was doing some things to help uh, the community and to give back. And so I looked at him and I said, so you're saying the judge is not going to send me to prison. Hmm. And he said, if she does, you'd be the first. Wow. Well, <laughs> I was the first. Wow. The judge gave me a sentence of seven years, three years in the Department of Corrections and four years probation. I have a new lawyer today, and he tells me I'm the only one in the nation that has gone to prison for that charge. And wow. I tell you that um, today, not, not so you will feel sorry for me. I was wrong. <laughs> 
I was in the wrong. I did something shameful. I needed, um, I needed that punishment. But I tell you that just to try to convey my surprise yeah. and my shock and bewilderment that happened as a result. Um, I was let out of the courtroom in handcuffs, and that day um, I hadn't said goodbye to my kids because I thought I was just looking at probation. I was let out of the, the courtroom in handcuffs, and I began serving my sentence. Wow. I ended up serving uh, a total of 15 months here in uh, Putnamville in uh, Greencastle at a level two prison. I was released about a year and a half ago. My time in prison... <laughs> Uh, might be the subject for another podcast, <laughs> another day. There's a lot of stories yeah. that come with that, and honestly, a lot of lessons mm. I learned uh, during those during those months. All I'll, all I'll say today about that is that I had, I have never seen hopelessness until I got to pres- prison. Mm. I, and I've been all over the world, many third world countries. I have never seen pain and suffering and sadness like I saw in so many of the other guys I met. Now, I ended up making some incredible friends uh, while I was there, learned a ton of powerful uh, lessons. Uh, The guys there blessed me and taught me so much more than I gave back to them. Um, But but the bottom line is this. When everything is stripped away from you, literally and figuratively, you're left to figure out who you are and and who you want to be and what you want your life to be about. Yeah. And so now, after being home for, you know, it was a year, seven months, a year and eight months, um, every day is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every day. You're grateful for it. Yeah. Every day is great. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, thankful for life, thankful for family, thankful to be able to to go to work and put in a hard day's work. Even the bad days on the outside mm. are better than the best days inside, inside the walls of a prison, right? right? Uh, still in recovery, grateful for people in my life, um, but uh, I also know I've got a long way to go. One thing we say a lot at Nothing is Wasted is pain is the common denominator of life. It's something that brings us all together. Unfortunately, what is not as common is actually getting the help we need for what we're going through. Beyond the encouragement, hope, and resources that we provide as a ministry, we believe there is a need for everyone to have a good counselor. I've been in counseling for years, as have most of our team, so we personally know the benefits of this tool in our lives. This is why we've partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization called Faithful Counseling, who provides virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are all certified by their own state's board. If you're seeking traditional mental health counseling, but would prefer hearing from a Christian perspective, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you're matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or even the convenience of text messaging. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It only costs $65 a week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off of your first month of counseling just for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. And now, back to our interview. I'd like to dig in a little bit on this, like especially the surprise of your sentence. Yep. That's it's crazy. What it's such an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. That this happens. You're the only one in the country. Mm-hmm. You have a pastoral background. Mm-hmm. You've got a rich tradition of, so surely you asked the question, God, why? Mm-hmm. Did you? And, and if so, what, what did he say? <laughs> you know, like what, what is, as you're wrestling with that, and that might be still fresh for you, but I, that's the first thing I would ask and I would wonder is, why was I singled out? Mm-hmm. Davey, that's a great question. And I'll be honest with you. I think I'm still learning the answer to that. Mm. 
And I want to be in a posture where God can continue to teach me that. There are some things, or there, there is, there is an answer to that question. I think I've learned. Yeah. Uh, in particular, now with uh, the opportunities mm. I'm having now to to share and to help other people who have gone through something similar. Yeah. Um, but honestly, I'm still learning that. Yeah. I, I can tell you this: the first half of my prison sentence, I was still in blame mode. And I was thinking about the whole story. Because for, for those of you that have not been to prison, um, you know, when you're in prison and you're sitting next to all these other offenders, what unites you? Yeah. Your offense. Your offense. Yeah. The, what got you there? Right. Your worst mistake is what unites you. Mm-hmm. And so you start thinking about that every day. You talk about that every day. And, you know, that's really not healthy. Mm. Um, and so for the first, first half of the, the prison sentence, I was, I was still in blame mode. Mm. I thought back to my doctor who first prescribed me those pills. Um, I thought about even the, the, the young man who, you know, yeah, I, I did something wrong uh, to him. I, I engaged him in something illegal. Um, but I kept thinking, why did he, why did he tell on me? Why why did he snitch? You know, he's to blame. Uh, I thought about the prosecutor and some of the things that, that, that he said, or the judge that sentenced me. I thought about the press. You know, I had all five indie area TV stations at my home or at my church in the 24 hours after I was arrested. And it was humiliating for me and, and for my children. And so I was, I was thinking about all this, and I was, in, I was in pity mode and shame mode and blaming mode until I'll never forget the day. And like I said, it was about halfway through the prison sentence, so like seven or, seven or eight months in, it hit me, Justin, you're the common denominator. You're, you're the common denominator. None of this would have happened if you hadn't done what you did. Wow. And so it's, it's time to own it. And to accept it. And then, when, when, David, when I got there, that I could just accept it, really not knowing why, yeah. that's when freedom began. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> when I could move forward and be healthy and find freedom and peace and serenity in who I was as a yeah. person, realizing that, um, guess what? I was a sinner before I was sentenced to prison, and I'm a sinner after it. Mm. <laughs> you know, I make mistakes, right. but God forgives me. And he's, he's in the process of restoring me, just like he is for every person on the planet. When, when I look at that for you, let me just take a moment right here. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the, the Holy Spirit's pressing something on me. When I look at that fact that you are the only one in the country, mm-hmm. I see it as a mercy mm-hmm. and a discipline all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like Hebrews tells us that God disciplines his kids. Mm-hmm. And so... Sometimes I feel like, and this is for the benefit of someone who's listening and you're feeling like, you're like, God, why, you know, why, why did I get caught or why am I feeling this discipline or why? Because God loves you yeah, and it's a mercy. And oftentimes this is a hard mystery to wrestle with, but also oftentimes it's not, it's God's kids. It's God's, some, sometimes God's closest kids that he believes the most in mm-hmm. and the ones that he feels like he his, his greatest soldiers potentially in the future mm. that can have a great impact that he might discipline the harshest mm. so that we learn the character lessons that will not allow us to, or that will uh, help us not stumble when he then puts that big mantle on you mm. coming out of it. Mm. So here's where I get this. Joseph. Yes. I mean, he wasn't even... He didn't even do what he what he was sentenced. He wasn't for, even guilty. Wasn't guilty. Yes, he's put in prison because right. of Potiphar's wife's claims, yes. her allegations. Of course, Potiphar's going to go with his wife, and he gets thrown in prison for years and years. Well, there's a there's a moment, a scene where he has the cupbearer and the baker, and he interprets their dreams, and he tells the cupbearer he's going to go back to his place with Pharaoh, and he says. Tell Pharaoh about me mm-hmm. when you get back to your place. And then the very next line in Genesis, it tells us, but Joseph was forgotten for two years. 
And I, I can't help but wonder if it was because exactly what you were just saying, mm. that Joseph was still in prison playing the blame game. Mm. We need time to figure that out. We need time to yeah. heal from that. We need time for God to work his healing power right. in our lives, right? But what was God doing in Joseph's life there in the prison? Mm. He was doing something really profound in his character. Yes. Because prior to the prison, Joseph cared only about himself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was like, hey, look, I'm going to be the guy you're going to bow down to. He's Ascending. a lot of pride, a yes. lot of... And he was, that's, he was trying to get to his platform, his, like you said, an ascending type destiny mm-hmm. that God had downloaded on him, told him about, but God's, God's way up is down. Yeah. It's servitude, mm. it's humility. It's, and so God had to teach him that lesson in a very yes. harsh way. <laughs> and as, as you're sitting here in front of me right now, Justin, I feel like that's one of the lessons that God has really helped to shape in you. Undoubtedly. And he's setting you up for that. That's the beautiful thing. It's not just a discipline. Mm-hmm. It's also a destiny that is mm. that God is setting you up for as well. Mm-hmm. And and the degree that we're disciplined is, I believe, the correlating to the degree that He's going to mm. carry out our destiny. Now the listener doesn't know this, but I know the work that you're doing right now. Sure. And you're going to tell us here in a second. But mm-hmm. I just believe strongly that that as you're still untangling what that is, God's going to reveal so many different things yes. about that prison moment. But man, I just, I just felt strongly that that, like, this is, that was God's mercy on you, bro. It's really encouraging, Davey. Um, I've got a friend in recovery who uses the phrase, the fortune of brokenness. Mm. And that, that phrase has just kind of haunted me ever since I heard it. Like, can there really be fortune? Wow. And, And I love your word, mercy. Yeah in brokenness in prison yeah you know as you're why you're strung out on opiates or meth yeah or or you know um you know you're exactly right there is there is beauty in that moment of of being broken Mm -hmm. Why why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the general lessons you feel like that god has taught you over the course of this, whether it is in terms of or regarding the addiction or, or whether it's like even some of the ones you're still kind of untangling from prison. Sure. We always want to ask the question, you know, did, did I do this to myself? Did I get myself into this situation or what was it outside factors? Yeah. Outside circumstances. Avoidable pain versus unavoidable. Exactly. We always ask that question. And for me, uh, maybe I'll get clear, more clarity one day. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. Um, but but I do know this. I, I don't know if life hacked me mm. or if I hacked my own life. Mm. But either way, God's in control. Yeah. Uh, were there factors outside of my control that led me to addiction and incarceration? Of course. Um, did I do a lot of the damage myself? Absolutely. But regardless of who's responsible, and by the way, I think we do that so often. That's our knee-jerk reaction, trying right. to point the finger, right. trying to find out who's responsible, trying to figure out why did yeah. this happen in yeah. my life. Regardless, God still reigns on his throne. Yeah, He's still sitting there. That's good. Psalm uh, 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Mm. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Those are the words of King David. King David wrote that when he was in trouble. Yeah. When his life had been hacked. But it didn't crush him because he knew ultimately the Lord was a stronghold and was going to see him through. Mm-hmm. I know when, when you're in the midst of it, and I know some of the listeners right now are in the midst of it, dealing with an addiction or lust or anger or fear or worry or anxiety or shame. When you're just barely keeping your head above water, you start to wonder, where is God? Yeah. And uh, doesn't he hear me? Does he even care? I don't feel God, right? Yeah. And, and I would just tell you from my experience, you, you can't always trust your feelings. <laughs> yeah. But you can always count on the truth. And the truth yeah. is, even when you can't feel God, he's on the move and he's still working on our behalf. Yeah, that's good. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 uh, then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. Mm. 
I am the first and the last. Yeah. He, he's in control. That's a, that's a statement right. about his control right. over all things yeah. through the calm, through the storm. And isn't that, you know, we were talking about celebrate recovery before mm-hmm. we got on the air yep. and, um, that correct me if I'm wrong. I know AA does it, but celebrate recovery. Do they also talk through the, the serenity prayer? Oh yeah. Isn't that In kind fact, of a staple there? That's like, oh, yeah. okay, help me not discern what, so, what can I control? What, what am I out of? What's out of my control? God grant me the serenity right. to accept the things I cannot change, yep. the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What a profound quote. Right. Oh. Who is it? St. Francis of Assisi. Is that who first coined that? Uh, that's a good question. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not exactly sure, but I do know that that is a staple of every recovering addict's journey. Yes. Is coming to terms with those things right there. Giving and really control. should be all of our journey. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yo, I'm a big believer. Everybody should be We're, going through the 12 steps, exactly. right? I know how it's helped me and helped so many others. Um, yeah. And I, just a side note here, you know, celebrate recovery actually extends that prayer. Have you heard the rest of the prayer? Uh, no. Uh, you mind if I just yeah, share it? Absolutely. So you have the, the, the serenity prayer that we just mentioned, and then it goes on in celebrate recovery. We do the full prayer, which is living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, mm. accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Wow. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Wow. Isn't that an awesome prayer? That's beautiful. We said at the beginning of every meeting, and sometimes we don't even get to the other stuff of the meeting. We we focus on that prayer. Holy cow. Yeah, it's powerful. All right, maybe some other lessons that you yeah. learned along the so journey. So I would just say a second thing then is, is that if I believe in that first part, that God is really on the throne regardless of what happens in life, if, if I really believe that, that he's in control, then I also have to believe that God can use my pain for good. Mm-hmm. And I know that's what you're all about, Davey, yeah. in, in your ministry. I'm so appreciative of who you are and, and the example you're leading in, this, in that space. Um. It's this, you know, the idea that somehow in his mysterious plan, he's going to take my brokenness yeah. and your brokenness and do something great with it. Yep. And one of the first things he wants to do is bring us closer together. I mean, if you think about it, if you want to be close to someone, you don't tell them, hey, you remember back in high school when I was homecoming king? <laughs> uh, guess what? I started a $5 million company. Uh, my kids are smarter than your kids. No, you don't say those things. If you say those <laughs> things uh, to someone, they're, they're going to be repulsed. Yeah, they're going to walk away. Yeah. Um, but if you say, you know, I've I've struggled with depression lately, mm. and I'm having some dark days. Or if you say something like, you know, I'm worried about my kids, and it's it's got a grip on me right now. I'm really fearful about the future. Um, or if you say, I'm an addict, and I'm still. Uh, recovering from my time in prison. If you open up and are real and authentic and honest about your struggle, you might think that people will turn away. You might think that you find re- you'll find rejection, mm. but the opposite typically happens. Yep. People are drawn together. Yep. And God begins this incredible healing work. They say that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is connection. I was, man, I was just about to say community. <laughs> wow. The opposite of addiction is connection. Wow. And I can, think, can Davey, you unpack that a yeah, little bit? I, I think, try, yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can substitute any struggle, any sin, any hurt, habit, or hang up, any addiction. And the opposite of that struggle or that sin is connection. Typically, we find ourselves in places of pain and places of brokenness and hurt because of a lack of authentic connection in our lives, whether it's with a spouse, a child, a friend. If we don't have authentic connection and are not engaged in authentic, real, transparent community, David, it's... It, it's it's a recipe for failure. Yeah, we want to run to something else. We, we run to something else. Because we're else. trying to fill that. We are created with this void, this intimacy void. That's exactly right. I think, you know, it's, it's a two-fold connection. It's connection to God and 
connection to others. Exactly right. Those two things can't be separated. That's right. Right? It was the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's right. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting that that's what Jesus said both of those both things of them. when he was asked that question? That's you right. can't love God well if you're not loving others. You can't love others well when you're not that's right. receiving the love of God. And I'm sad to say, you know, I grew up in the church and even served in the church, but the first time I felt that true, authentic, wow. vulnerable community was when I was sitting in rehab. And I've I was, heard a lot of people say that, yes. Justin, you're not the first one. Wow. I was sitting in this group of about 30 guys, wow. and they were all being honest and sharing and being broken, and I, I couldn't believe it. And in fact, that now has almost become a healthy kind of addiction exactly, in my yeah. life. I'm so drawn to that. I came back and was talking to my my counselor when I came back from rehab, and I told him about that experience, and he said, Justin, can you imagine if the church got that? Yeah, yeah. Do you think that could be a prescription for preventive measures? Of course. Like, if we just could figure out a way to just take the walls down, become vulnerable with each other, that it would prevent us from running into those places of escape. 100% agree. If, <sighs> if, if we were completely comfortable in who we were as people— yeah. um, and fully comprehending the fact that we have worth in the eyes of God, regardless of whatever it is we're struggling with. That's the key, and I love that the the concept of preventative Mm. medicine. It will will lead us away from chasing something else. Wow. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about the the work that you're doing? And I got connected to you because I heard about some of the things that you're doing to Mm -hmm. help other people as well, and I'd love to just hear, you know, because this... This, this journey you've been on has now uh, unfolded into a, a beautiful journey that you're helping other people on as well. Sure. I just, at this point in my life, Davey, I just want to be a resource to people in my community that need support and yeah. need help. Um, this was such a, a brand new issue for our family, and we didn't really even know many right. people to talk to. So right. I try to be a resource to people in my area. Uh, Monday nights in Mooresville here in central Indiana, I do lead a support group. It's a it's a very different kind of a group, and here's why. <laughs> We've stolen a little bit from AA, NA, Celebrate Recovery, <laughs> and Al-Anon, which if you don't know how, what Al-Anon is, it's basically a group for loved ones mm. of addicts and alcoholics because they're on a recovery journey yep. themselves. Yep, absolutely. And so I started this group about a year ago in Mooresville for addicts. The big surprise is that we have about half addicts and alcoholics, and the other half are family members. Wow. And we've chosen to stay that way. We yeah. stay in, in, in that group together, discussing together, learning with one another, because the truth is, regardless of the issue, um, we're on the same kind of recovery journey. The yeah. same recovery steps are needed for whatever it is yep. we're going through. So wow. that's sort of the base of my ministry, that Monday night group, and um, we have a great time with that. I'm also in partnership now with a group in Hendricks County called Family Promise, Family Promise last year housed 600 families that needed housing. Um, And of course, this isn't downtown Indianapolis. This is is in a wealthy, I think it's the third wealthiest county in the state of Indiana. And they they housed, they placed 600 homeless families. And I work with them when they have an addict come to them that is seeking um, a place to stay. Um, I'll come in and help them build a recovery plan and be a resource for them as they're trying to put their lives together. Wow. That's amazing, man. Love it. That's so cool. If someone's listening to this right now and they are, they found themselves in one of these seasons that you, that crossroads moment, you know, mm-hmm. the one where you had that decision to make and it took you uh, down this treacherous path and you're like, man, if I could have gone back, what, what would you tell that person? If they're, they're sitting here in that moment, they recognize that. They're like, man, I'm seeing myself starting to depend on a substance or a fill in the blank Mm -hmm. rather than really finding my true satisfaction in connection with God and with others. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? Release. Mm -hmm. That the key to freedom is releasing. It's releasing pride. It's releasing worry and fear about what other people may think of you. Wow. When you come to a place of honesty and transparency, uh, we're all scared. If people knew the real me and knew what I was really struggling with, what I was really thinking, they would hate me. They would reject me. And David, the opposite is true. But 
that's where freedom begins. Yeah. That's where the healing process begins is when we're honest and authentic and reach out to somebody um, who can walk with us. Wow. That's awesome. Man, this has just been a remarkable conversation. Thanks for Your having story me, is incredible. Is there any, any way that our listeners can follow what you're doing or kind of connect with you in any way? Sure. You can always uh, find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, I live in Plainfield, Indiana, and uh, so you can find me there, Justin White. Um, I also have, if there are any uh, pastors out there that are listening and um, maybe interested in hearing more about the story, uh, you can check out justinwhiteministries.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Justin. This has been an honor. Davey, thank you. Well, Aubrey, did you catch that moment? I mean, I definitely caught it. I actually yeah. thought it was kind of powerful that in the moment you caught it, and it seemed like you were sort of making the discovery to him, and he went, whoa. Yeah, he was thrown off a little bit by it. And, you know, that's not his fault, but that's you know, just the nature of continuing to be in your journey. You know, I mean, you're always going to have people who are a little bit further ahead of you in your journey, and and you're going to have those moments that you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't recognize that. Yeah. And I think it's the power of like uh, telling your story too, which is part it. of why we do this podcast, because yeah. then someone else can speak into your story and maybe show you something of God that you don't even know. Like God right. works in real time. Right. Exactly. And specifically what we can draw from, I think from that conversation is that when we're walking through our story and we're continuing to God's revealing things to us, um, Anytime something happens that baffles us, that makes mm-hmm. us go like, makes us scratch our head, like, what? that seems like it's so outside the character and nature of God. Or, come on, God, why yeah. did that happen? That's not fair. Or that instead of growing embittered toward God or instead of pushing back away from Him, what if we leaned in and, and mm-hmm. used that as like a clue or a thread to kind of pull on and say, okay, God, yeah. what are you doing here? Because this seems a little bit odd. Yeah. You must be doing something. Yeah, I mean, I it like a like a puzzle piece. If the piece doesn't quite fit, you kind of go, "Well, wait, this fits somewhere, but where but is it?" And you yeah. have to sort of like do the work to figure out where it fits. And sometimes I think the Holy Spirit reveals that over time, right? right. You look back and you go, "Oh, okay." Right. Or some that's what God was doing. That was the discipline God was walking me through, yeah. or that was yeah. the Lord strengthening me somehow. Or sometimes I think, um, like what had just happened with you and Justin, it takes someone else to speak into your life and say, I see that the Lord is doing this in you. And that's why this happened. Right. Which is why we're continually going to point you to walking your pain journey with somebody always, whether it's a counselor, Mm -hmm. whether it's one of our certified guides, whether it's in community, you know, on our community groups platform, you've got to have other people who kind of see your blind spots and are picking up or perceptive to the things that you're not perceptive to. Uh, We're not going to see everything. So you've got to have other people. I love the fact that you just use the term discipline, Aubrey, uh, because that's not usually a term that we like to lean into. <laughs> it's um, not a favorite word, is it? And yet in the midst of our pain journey, there is a lot of discipline that the Lord is leading us into. That's right. And the Lord disciplines those he loves, right? right? It's, right. it's the part of his beautiful parental heart that he doesn't yeah. let us get away with all the stuff we want to get away with. Right. Instead, he's like, no, you're mine. I have right. called you by name. You are my special possession. So I'm going to discipline you yeah. to bring you back. Right. And discipline, you know, I think it has a bad connotation because we do think of like action consequence or like almost like right. we kind of lean in toward that punishment. Punishment. Right. Yeah. Like here's, okay, we're going to have to you know, lay the hammer down because you have been acting out or something. And that's so not you're in nece- trouble. Yeah. yeah. That's not necessarily, that's only one aspect of discipline. Yeah. It's also, yeah. it's also a discipline for me to get up in the morning and read my Bible. It's a discipline for me to go and work out to make sure I'm taking care of my body. It's a discipline to eat certain foods and stay mm-hmm. away from other foods. So discipline can also mean really just kind of creating those parameters and those boundaries that are going to keep you whole and healthy. They're going to yeah, keep you right. walking the right path. And so discipline is kindness. It's mercy. And I think sometimes discipline is also like you're going to experience the consequences right. of this decision that you made. Right. 
this life choice. And it is like you were about to say God's mercy. It is God's mercy that he allows us to experience those consequences, even when they're painful, because as we all know, pain is a wise teacher and the Lord uses pain all the time to sharpen us and strengthen us and get us back to the place where we are growing in him and we're thriving and we're, we're back on that straight and narrow path that God wants us to be on. If we can remember that discipline is a little bit of pain now, relatively a little bit of pain now, to avoid a lot of pain later, right? When, That's a good when we're word, disciplining, yeah. when we're disciplining our kids, I mean, just the other day with Weston, I said, Weston, we can't, I, daddy cannot let you get away with lying because he's six. Mm. His lies are small. They're small lies. They're not yeah. really affecting a lot of people right now, to be honest with you. But when yeah. he's 26, if he still <laughs> That's has a the, whole different story, if he still yeah. has the heart rooted in lying and deception and manipulation, right? that's going to be a lot graver of consequences to him. And so in order to avoid that for him, to, to kind of spare him from that, I'm, we're going to discipline him now a little yeah. bit of pain so that he avoids a lot of pain later. And that's the same thing that God does for us. That's right. And again, we know God's heart. He, he isn't expecting perfection. He right. is expecting or, or calling us to faithfulness. Yeah. And that's part of the discipline, helping make us faithful. Yeah. Well, um, one thing that we promised you listeners is we were going to share the podcast survey results with you. And yes. I thought these were really were intriguing, Davey. Yep. Yeah. Some of them actually kind of surprised me. Yeah. The first one didn't um, surprise me. The first one that we're going to share with you. It didn't surprise you that our age range is... From uh, 25 to 44 is kind of the age range, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that's a great that's, age range. Mm-hmm. That's you and I. I mean, I'm 35. Uh, you know, can I ask you your age? A lady age, doesn't Audrey? tell I, her I, age. That's what I was going to no, say. But I don't think I'm that somewhere that's in true. that category. Yeah, somewhere yeah. around that. So, you know, we're kind of right there in the middle, so the medium you know, age range. And so yes, that makes sense. the median age, sense. right? Before yeah. and above us. I'm actually right. 42. I'm not embarrassed to say how old I am. But. Oh, well, you heard it here um, first. Th- folks. Okay. This one, uh, this one did surprise me. Okay. That. The survey, at least, yeah. was filled out by all women right. and one man. Either we really only have a, a overwhelming majority of women who are listening to this, or men just don't like to fill out surveys. Or so men don't like to fill out surveys. To- I know the man who filled out the survey. He's a friend of mine, so I feel like I'm <laughs> going to go you give him a gold them star. The- <laughs> because- <laughs> Here's what I, all right, if you're listening to this and you're a man, I just just for my heart, all right, I need you to, I need you to like, Tell us that somehow. Go go rate and review the podcast. Say, hey, Davey. There you go. I'm also, or give us a shout out on Instagram, Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, just so yeah. that I can know we do have some men who are listening to this. <laughs> I'm a man and I listen. <laughs> Nothing is wasted. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, and the topics that yep. you're passionate about right. are some of the topics we've recently covered uh, in our marriage series. Mm-hmm. Marriage, singleness, divorce, adoption, fostering, infertility, miscarriage, and parenting. Yeah. Ironically, prior to even receiving the survey results, we already had plans to do some of these topics in series, you know, I love that. specifically this year, we're going to, we're, we're planning on doing a parenting series at some point this year, we had already planned to do a marriage series. Um, and so we're going to be kind of tackling some of these topics and looking for stories, uh, surrounding these topics, because these are the things that you're wanting to hear from these are your felt needs. So we're so grateful for you submitting those. The top favorite podcast guests. Uh, the first one didn't surprise me at all because it's also my favorite I mean, podcast guest. That's right. My beautiful bride, Christy. She is the Christy top. Christy way to go. Overwhelmingly, she was the top guest. So we we hear from you that you want more places and spaces more for Christy. Christy to get on this podcast. Yeah, we got to get are, her on here more. We are definitely going to make that happen. Uh, you also said the Brookers, which you, we haven't had on the podcast or in any kind of uh, format for a while. But Daniel Brooker is one of our community group guys. Daniel and Brittany Brooker, fantastic story. Uh, go to nothingiswasted.com slash podcast and, and search that. I don't know their episodes numbers on off the top of my head right now, but there's also a bonus episode with them as well. Um, and the, uh, the last thing that we kind of wanted to share with you guys is you guys really enjoy hearing from what we call our unsung heroes, the I folks, the folks that maybe don't have this massive Instagram following or they don't, you know, they haven't written a book. They don't or, have books published. Yeah. yeah. Just some of these, these stories, these diamonds in the rough that kind of emerge and we hear about, or we, you know, we learn as we're, as, as we're you know, out traveling and speaking, we hear a story. We're like, Oh my gosh, we Uh should have you on the podcast. Or someone writes in, it's like, Oh, that's an amazing story that you guys Uh really enjoyed hearing that. And I think it's really important to note that regardless of whether or not you have a lot of Instagram followings and you have a platform and you have written a book 
Or if you don't, it, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit shows up in these conversations and you have a story to tell. And, um, That's and, right. and we want to hear that the it. Lord wants to use for his glory and for his, uh, ministry. And obviously the fact that you listeners have said you like that. I mean, that's right. just confirmation that the Lord works through everybody. 100%. So thank you guys for filling out that survey. That's been super helpful. You're going to see maybe some subtle changes as we move forward. Um, we're gleaning a lot. We're learning a lot from you. So thank you so much. Yes. We're learning a lot from you. Thank you. If after this conversation with Justin, as you've been listening to nothing is wasted podcast, you're looking for a way to partner with God to take back your story. We've got a lot of different options. Maybe you want to go through the pain to purpose course. Maybe you want to hire a certified guide or join a community group. Go to nothing is wasted dot com again nothing is wasted.com and we will help you get started on that journey we want to thank sleeping at last for providing all the music for the nothing is wasted podcast you can listen to his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed you can also follow us on instagram at nothing is wasted ministries at davy blackburn and at obsamp we love hearing from you there and then be sure to come back next week uh, we have an incredible conversation with aaron weidman that's right no relation to josh weidman no relation, no relation to Josh Weidman. I didn't know yes. that. I actually thought they were connected, but they're not. Mm -hmm. But Aaron has a really powerful story of being diagnosed with cancer multiple yeah, times wow. and how God showed up in that. And so it's a really timely one. Yep. Let's go ahead and take a listen to a clip with your conversation with Aaron. You know, I had felt a lump in college and then my doctor kind of dismissed it. And then years later, it just, it, it wreaked havoc on my body in a way that was not, I had no symptoms. Wow. So here I was a healthy athlete, you know, I'm, I'm working out and training and doing all the, the things you would do as a college athlete and, um, just kind of forgot about it. And it wasn't until my mom said, Hey, did you get that rechecked? And I said, no. And it was really inconvenient to go to the doctor that day. But my mom, it was right down the street from her office. She was like, I'll come with you. So she and I sat in the doctor's office. The doctor did a very quick exam. And after about 30 seconds, he just stopped and he put his hands on my hands and he looked right into my eyes and he said, you have cancer. I can feel it all over the top half of your entire body. What are you doing tomorrow? We need to have an emergency. I'm going to clear my morning surgery schedule and we're going to get you in for an emergency biopsy. 